0: All right, good morning. Uh, before anything, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here. Hope you have a good day and enjoy, and your children give you good presents. <laughs> all right, let's pray before we get started. Father God, we thank you again for this morning, and we thank you for this time that you give us to look into the creeds that your saints before us have drafted to help us know the faith, and to hold fast to it. Lord, we pray that as we look at those this morning, you will help us, that you will teach us, and that you will help us to know you more and know how far we can go. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you all hear me back there? Okay, all right. Okay, so this is part five of our... um, heresies and creeds. So if you have missed any of the previous ones, you will find them at the website. You have the link at the bottom of your page. So if you have missed anything in the past uh, four sessions, uh, please go and listen to it. And today we will be looking at creeds as a response. So the last few weeks, we were looking at all the different heresies that came about in the early church. Right? Starting with, we looked at uh, the heresy against the Word of God, maximalism, and minimalism. Maximalism is where people said things in the Bible are not all that God has spoken. God is continuing to give revelation, and there needs to be more than what is written in the Bible. That's the maximalism. The minimalism is not everything in the Bible is the Word of God, and they started removing things. Martian, we looked at Martianism and how he did not like the God of the Old Testament, so he just got rid of the whole Old Testament. So we looked at those in the first first class. We looked at Gnosticism. Um, in detail in uh, the second class and how there are two truths or two things that they hold on to, the duality and secret knowledge. So again, if you have missed those, you will find those in the recordings. And then we looked at a lot of Christological heresies. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them, but these Christological heresies were one half of those were against Jesus's divinity. Basically, they said, he is not God. He is only man. He is not God. And there were a lot of such heresies, and a lot of those continue on today, and we spoke about those also. The other half of it is to say that he is not man, and this is mostly the pagans, where they believed in a lot of deities, and they, knowing Gnosticism, they said, matter is evil, so body is evil, so Jesus could not be a man. Right? And then we also looked at, okay, if he is a man, then what kind of a man is he? How can divinity and hum- humanity live together in the person of Jesus? And we looked at multiple of, uh, of those heresies uh, last week. Bob's here. <laughs> but one other thing that we also looked at is, None of these guys, whoever came up with all of these different heresies, they did not wake up one morning and say, okay, I am going to invent a heresy, a heresy, right? Nobody had the idea that they were going to teach a heresy. They were trying to figure out the information that's in the Bible and that has been handed down, and they were trying to understand who God is, who Jesus is. And what do we make, how do we make sense of somebody who comes um, and says, I am the one who created everything, right? And they're like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? And you can see all of those exchanges in the Gospel of John, particularly where the Pharisees were completely, um, they were so angered that they wanted to kill Jesus, and eventually Jesus was killed for blasphemy. That was the charge. But <clears throat> still, after the apostles They were trying to figure out, okay, how do we understand Jesus? What does this mean? And what does the word begotten mean? And what does the word firstborn mean? So all of those things, and um, as they were trying to understand who Jesus was, they started straying from the truth. And eventually, they started teaching those things to others and ended up being heretics. And those faithful Christians, faithful saints, who knew that what they were teaching was not right, they stood up against those, and they said, no, what you're teaching is not right, because if you go down this path, then you will lose salvation, it will impact everything that we believe in, and that's not what, who Jesus is. And so they stood up, and they refuted them, and as part of the refutation is where they codified what our beliefs should be. And using those statements that they codified, is where we get our creeds, right? So we will look at four creeds today, and they came about at different times in history. So the first one we will look at is the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed, it is not that the apostles, the 12 apostles, sat down and wrote down, this is what you guys should believe. No, it's called the Apostles' Creed because it comes from the apostolic teaching. We don't know who drafted those, but it's something that was in the church from around 140 AD. And this is basically teachings from the apostles. So the Apostles' Creed is teachings that have been handed down from the apostles that were codified by earlier saints. And then we have the Nicene Creed. Nicene Creed comes from the Council of Nicaea, which was in 325 AD, but there is another portion that was added to the Nicene Creed in um, 381 AD and in the Council of Constantinople. And we'll look at the Nicene Creed also today. But Nicene Creed, if you remember when we spoke about Arianism, Arius was teaching that Jesus was not God, right? And then he had a huge following, uh, huge as in Considering that time, he had a good following, and people were... uh, Christianity was basically divided. That was one of the most significant heresies in early church. Uh, Arianism, Christianity was divided between Arians and non-Arians, or people who believe that Jesus is God. And the Council of Nicaea was gathered, and people uh, declared Arianism to be a heresy, and then they codified what should be believed about Jesus. And we will look at that also. And then in the Council of Constantinople, there was a small controversy about the divinity of the Holy Spirit. We did not speak about it, so we'll talk about it a little bit today. But there was controversy about what is, who is the Holy Spirit and how does he come about? So things like that. So we'll talk about it a little bit today. And then we get to the Chalcedonian Creed. We spoke about the Chalcedonian Creed last week if you remember it was more about how are the two natures of Jesus are the hu- human nature and the divine nature how are they in one person Jesus and if you don't remember we spoke about four things which we will look at again today And finally we'll look at the Athanasian Creed Again, the origin of the Athanasian creed is unsure. It does not mean that Athanasius, who was a very um, ardent um, refuter of Arianism, he fought against Arius, and he was the prime um, leader in fighting against Arianism. He, uh, He did not codify this, but it's still called the Athanasian creed. I don't know why, but he was not the one who actually sat down and drafted this, but it's It comes to us as the Athanasian Creed. Any questions so far? Okay, so one thing I want to say is the creeds themselves have a lot of positive statements. And if you know your creeds, you can see that there are a lot of positives of who God is, who Jesus is. But it's a little different for us today because we are going to look at the negative implications, right? Because we've been looking at heresies. And in heresies, when they drafted the creeds, especially the Nicene Creed, they had one section which was all the positive statements. And then they had another small section which said, if anyone says Jesus is not God, let him be anathematized, and things like that. So we're not going to look at those parts, but still, from the positive statements, we will see how those positive statements refute the heresies. Does that make sense? Okay. So the first one we will look at is the Apostles' Creed. And you have all the creeds in your handouts. Uh, If you want to take notes on the handouts, go ahead and do it. But um, there are no blanks to fill out because there are a lot of I wanted to give you all the creeds so you had it with you. And also, this the creeds will be posted on the website as well. The b- link is at the bottom of your page. Uh, if anybody wants to access it later on, it will be on the website as well. All right, so the Apostles' Creed begins with I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What heresy do you think this is addressing? Very good. Gnosticism. Why? Because it says maker of earth. Okay. (laughs) A little more. (laughs) Give me a little more. And the Gnostics believe that anything material, therefore earth, is evil and therefore could not be created by God. Correct. So the Gnostics believe that the universe or the material world was evil and it could not have been created by a good God. I mean, there is evil in the world, right? I mean, you look around and there is evil and people still to this day wonder how can a good God allow evil, okay? Those questions are still being asked today and the same thing was asked even in the early church and the way the Gnostics came about their understanding of God and the world is to say that God is good, so he could not have created the evil world. It had to be a demiurge, which we spoke about again in the Gnosticism cl- class. So it had to be the demiurge who created uh, all the the material world, and it has to be an evil God or an evil being who created all of the things that we see around us. And Gnosticism again, sorry, Apostles' Creed again was early, so Gnosticism was in the first century also, and you, we looked at, the Col- at Colossians, and Gnosticism actually came down from plato and all the greek philosophers so there was gnosticism in the church and the first statement that the apostles creed says is i believe in god the father almighty the creator or the maker of heaven and earth he is the one who created we do not believe that the universe was made by a demiurge or an evil being it was created by god who is the same one in the old testament and he is the one who made heaven and earth any questions? Yes, Nisa. When, when did the church have um, the complete Word of God? As in all the. So the question is, when did the church have the complete Word of God? God? Um, as in all the 27 books, or? Yes. Okay, so the church codified all 27 books in around the fourth century, but there were. There was a Muratorian canon which we looked at in the first class. There were 22 of 27 books that were already considered as scripture in as early as 150 AD or 170 AD around that time frame. And the books that were questionable were Hebrews because nobody knew who wrote it and we still don't know who wrote it, Second um, John and Third John because those were small letters and there was still question about it, and Second Peter. Um, and James. James was the other one, because you could read James, and it doesn't clearly explain or write about the gospel. The gospel is implied in James, um, but James was also questionable because the gospel was not clearly specified, and there's so much about works. So they were like, okay, we need to take a little more time to understand what's going on in James, but eventually these five books were uh, included as Scripture. But 22 of the 27 books were already acknowledged as Scripture in as early as 150, 170 AD. So then the um, men who were wrestling with these things did have access to much in the New Testament. Uh, the men who were wrestling, not everybody had access to all the letters because back in the day you didn't have internet you didn't have mail service you just had to write the letter and take it to whichever church that it was written to and from there it was handwritten again copied and then transmitted as early as I mean some of the books like James and Hebrews um, in the late even in the mid 200s and early 300s no maybe in the mid 200s some people didn't even know about those books and that is why those books were not included. The others, the letters written by Paul, they were all over because Paul traveled everywhere and he wrote to all the churches also. The others, like James or even Hebrews, they did not travel much, but they were still recognized by most people, but not by everybody. It just helps put this all in perspective, I think. You yeah. Yes, so they were trying to take what was available to understand all the truths. So, yes. All right, so let's go to the next section of the Apostles' Creed. Um, we believe, and I believe in God, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Uh, again, any heresies that you see being addressed in this section? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, Yes, they're addressing his humanity. Again, docetism is an offshoot of Gnosticism, which again believed that Jesus was not a man because he was sent from the divine. So he was divine, and if he is divine, he cannot be a material being because all material is evil. So in this section, they are definitely addressing, not in the great detail as we will go in Nicene Creed and the other creeds, but there is a hint of He was born of the Virgin Mary, okay? Docetism also believed that he was not born of humans because he would be human at that point. He just appeared. He was beamed down from the Star Trek ship from God. So, um, but that's something that they are addressing. And again, you can see that there are a lot of positive things, right? I mean, this is codifying the faith, what you should believe. Again, there is a little bit, they're not addressing docetism's clearly or explicitly but it is there right and but they're giving you a a lot of positives that we believe in jesus christ his son our lord and the lord over there is the same word that's used for yahweh in the old testament right kurios is um, the greek in the greek old testament yahweh is translated as kurios so and then they're talking about he was conceived by the holy spirit uh, born of the Virgin, he suffered. Remember last week we said, Docetism on- said that he it only appeared that he suffered, but he actually did not suffer. But they're saying that he suffered, and he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. And again, the l- rest of it is things that we should know as Christians and as uh, people who believe in Jesus. Okay. The last part, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church. And Catholic over there means universal not Roman Catholic, Uh, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Anything that's being addressed over here? Anybody? Yeah, nothing. It's just giving us the positives that we need to believe. Okay, so this is the Apostles' Creed, and you can see that it is kind of short because it's giving you the core of what we need to believe. And it's not getting into a lot of details about what do you mean by Jesus? Is he God? Is he man? There is a little bit of it, but it doesn't go into detail about anything about begotten or the Arianism controversy that we looked at or more about the natures of Jesus. It doesn't get into all those things because those things came after this creed was written. And it's the same thing. We spoke about it in the very first class that if there are no controversies, you don't need to actually codify anything because everybody is believing whatever needs to be believed, just like we spoke about marriage. There was no statement about marriage, uh, but now there is because of all the controversies that we are having. Same thing about gender and everything else. Inerrancy, that's another one, which came about in 1970s, I want to say. Again, there was question about, uh, with all the German research that went into, about the Accuracy and the uh, authority of Scripture. So that is what happened in 1970s when they codified the statement on inerrancy. Yes, Chris. Is there a purpose for him ascending to hell? You mean descending? Descending, Yes. Um, So again, that is to say that he went down um, into the dead, and some versions they say he descended into the dead. And again, if you read the book of Hebrews, it also says he went down and he preached. I don't know if it's Hebrews or Ephesians, that he preached, and then he went up with a host of heaven. Again, those are things that you can look at in detail about what those passages mean. But what we know is that he went down to the dead. All right, so this is Apostles' Creed. And we'll look at um, the Nicene Creed next. Okay, so the first part of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. Again, there is a little one addition to the Apostles' Creed first statement. They say, of all that is seen and unseen. Right? I think that covers everything. (laughs) You're not missing anything with all that is seen and unseen. Um, Again, what heresy is this addressing? Gnosticism. Gnosticism, same things, right? So it's still going with the same theme of the Apostles' Creed, and it is addressing Gnosticism. Okay, so the next section is definitely more detailed than the Apostles' Creed. And remember, this is the Creed that came about in the Council of Nicaea, and also was added on in a little more in the Council of Chalcedon. Um, The next section, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made." For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. All right, what heresies do you think these sections are addressing? Yes, Louis. Sorry, say it again. Arianism, Arianism, yes, definitely. Uh, Which part? Begotten, Begotten not made, yes. Of one being with the Father. Remember, that was another thing that Arius also taught, that he was a different, of a different substance than the Father. So the, the, the Nicene Creed is saying, no, Jesus is begotten, yes, but he was not made. He was not created. He is of one being, the same essence. And if you remember, I told you about the Greek word homoousius, And if you add an iota to it to say homoiusius, then you're a heretic. Without the iota, you're fine. Okay, anything else? What about uh, subordinationism? Subordinationism is saying that Jesus is lower than God the Father. He's not, a, he's not co-equal, but he is lower than God the Father. Again, to say that he is of one being with the Father refutes subordinationism. He is not lower than the Father. He is the same as the Father. Right? what about adoptionism? Adoptionism is something that we spoke about where Jesus was born as a human, but at some point in his ministry, mostly baptism, that's when the Christ or the Son of God came on Jesus and he was adopted as the Son of God. Until then, he was only a human. Again, that's also being addressed to say that he was eternally begotten of the Father and he's of the same substance, God from God, light from light, and he was Uh, one being with the Father. The last part, if you see, and he became truly human, that's addressing his humanity, docetism. So you see all kinds of heresies against Jesus' divinity being addressed in this section, and also um, about his humanity being addressed here as well. This is something, this is, actually we read this creed about two weeks ago, uh, and it was a good, um, I don't know, I'm not going to say coincidence, but it was a good (laughs) co-event that we did Arianism here, and um, we went up and we read the Nicene Creed. Again, it's important, the Bible does say that Jesus was begotten, but begotten does not mean that he was created. Okay, there is some mystery to it. What does begotten really mean? But it does not mean that he was created. And he is of one substance with the Father. Okay, so the last part, uh, for our sake, or actually the third part for our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate he suffered death and was buried on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end you can see that they added on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures where do you think that's coming from anybody first corinthians 15 yes Paul, when he writes, this is the gospel we preach, that he died for our sins in accordance, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again according to the scriptures. Right? So again, if you could say that this is addressing a little bit of the Gnosticism, where they did not believe the Old Testament, um, or Martianism also, but in this case, they are saying in accor- according to the scriptures. Anything else that you see in this section? Yes. Okay, so the answer was Ebionitism, which, where he said that he was just a teacher. Um, yes, actually, yes, that he was—he rose again, right? And he, in fact, even in the previous section, you could say Ebionitism, because he was God from God. He was not just a man. So yes, definitely, that's addressing Ebionitism also. Again, Docetism, right? He suffered, and was buried. Okay, um, suffered. Docetism said that it only appeared that he suffered, but he did not really suffer. The last part, the Council of Nicaea in 325 stopped at this one sentence. It said, we believe in the Holy Spirit. That's it, it just stopped. And if you remember when we read, we also stopped right there, right? We believe in the Holy Spirit. And that was all that was written in 325 AD, but then later on, the next part of the creed was added to the Nicene Creed. In short, it's called the Nicene Creed, but in reality, it's the Nicene Constantinople Creed. So um, just something. So the, rest remain, the second part of the last section reads, the Lord, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, and you can see in parenthesis, and the Son, we'll talk about that soon, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped, and glorified. The Holy Spirit with the Father and with the Son is worshipped and glorified. Who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So this part where they there was a controversy about what do you do with the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit also God? First, I mean, there was only God the Father, monotheism, and then you say, Jesus is God. That's like, whoa, you're adding now. And then you come out and say, Holy Spirit is also God. And people are going to be like, wait, how many, how many gods there are? And what's going on? And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the Athanasian Creed. But this was also something that was in the early church. And the other part that was also controversial, and it still is controversial today, is, does the Holy Spirit come from God the Father, or does the Holy Spirit come from the Father and from Jesus? Right? Is He only given to us by the Father, or does Jesus also send Him? And you can see in the Gospel of John, Jesus clearly says, "The Father and I, we will send the Holy Spirit." Um, so there is still controversy today, and it was called the Filioque controversy, and Filioque is from the Son. Um, controversy, and the Greek Orthodox Church or the Eastern Orthodox Church to this day do not have this as part of their creed, because they believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is sent only by the Father and not by Jesus. But this is the full version of the Nicene Creed, and um, like I said, there were two parts to it. Council of Nicaea up to, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and Council of Constantinople added the second part in light of the divinity of the Holy Spirit, and they said the Holy Spirit is the giver of life, right? I mean, the same phrase as the first section, the maker of all things, and if you go to the Old Testament, he's the one who gave life, right? And who proceeds from the Father and the Son and with the Father and the Son is worshipped. Worship is a big thing. Remember the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. So if you're worshipping the Holy Spirit also, and if you don't believe in the deity of the Holy Spirit, then you're committing idolatry. But if the Holy Spirit is Yahweh, as the scriptures tell us, then you ought to worship the Holy Spirit, and which is what the Nicene Creed codifies for us that with the Father and with the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. John, you had a question. Sure. If the Nicene Creed stopped with, we believe in the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> is that an indication that the left with the better part is still under consideration? Is that the Apostles' Creed? That a yeah, I think, uh, so the question is, if the Nicene Creed stopped with, we believe in the Holy Spirit, was the remaining part that's in the apostles creed still under consideration no i wouldn't say it was still under consideration it was just something that was already practiced right so they did not want to add more to it so they had both creeds with them so i don't think there was any question about the the unity of the catholic church or the universal church or the forgiveness of sins the life everlasting i don't think there was any question they just did not add it because it was already there Anything else? Again, the Nicene Creed builds on the Apostles' Creed. You can see a lot of similarities. But then they also addressed the heresies of especially Arianism um, in the Creed to say that, no, Jesus is God. He's of the same substance. He was begotten, not made. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and true man also. Right? So these sections, they... We're not, I mean, there's a lot of positive in those sections for us to believe, but then they were also added there for a reason to refute these heresies. Any questions? Okay. And also, one thing you can notice is they said Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Right. So, and the apostolic church means we believe the teachings of the apostles. That is what the apostolic in that means. We hold to the teachings of the apostles. All right. So the next next thing we have is the Chalcedonian Creed, and Chalcedonian Creed was in 451 A.D. And again, from the time. the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople in 381 to 450, you have about 170 years. And in that time, we saw three different heresies last week that came about, which was uh, Apollinarianism, which said that Jesus only the body and the soul were human, but the mind was not human or the spirit was not human. The divine mind Replaced the human mind, which means Jesus was only two thirds of a man, right? And he was not fully man. So that was Apollinarianism. And then you had uh, Nestorianism, which said if he has two natures, then he has to be two persons. And so they divided the humanity and the divinity of Jesus, and there was separation between his two natures, and there was a second person in Jesus. So Jesus was not one person; he was two pers- two persons. And then you had Utikianism, which said that um, he did, his will was not divine. Oh, no, actually, sorry, Eutychianism said that he was of a mixed nature. The divine, we, we use the analogy of yellow and blue. When you mix them, you get green. In the same way, you had the divinity and the humanity, and if those two come together, you have a third kind of a being, which is a deified humanity. That is what Eutychus believed and taught, and that was, again, heretical. So these three things came about from the time um, the Council of Constantinople ended till um, the Council of Chalcedon. Again, the Council of Chalcedon was assembled for to address all of these heresies. And the Chalcedonian Creed, it begins with, therefore, following the Holy Fathers, and that means following the creeds that have been handed down to us, including the uh, Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. That's why you see that there is no mention of, we believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, uh, all that is seen and unseen. They don't say that. They just say that we are continuing on from what the Fathers taught us. So which means the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed are still valid, and now we are addressing things that are come about newly. So therefore, following the Holy Fathers, we all with one accord teach men to acknowledge the one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that once complete in Godhead and complete in manhood. Again, they're reiterating a lot of the sections from the Nicene Creed truly God and truly man, consisting also of a reasonable, reasonable here equals rational, mind, and this is again addressing Apollinarianism, um, of one substance with the Father as regards his Godhead, and at the same time of one substance with us as regards his manhood. So truly God, truly man, two natures, equal with God in his divinity and equal with us in his humanity like us in all respects, apart from sin, Hebrews 4.15, as regards his Godhead, begotten of the Father before the ages, but yet as regards his manhood, begotten for us men and for our salvation, of Mary the Virgin, the God-bearer. Remember, that that word, God-bearer, was what was problematic for Nestorius and Catholics, When you say Mary was the mother of God, we're like, wait, what? Like, that's what we left and we came. And yes, the early church said that she was the God-bearer because Jesus was truly God in all aspects. And if she carried him, she carried God. That is what the teaching of the church is, right? So that was, again, put into the creed and codified that we believe that Jesus has no separation, And the second part of the creed is uh, the important, the more important part where he says, one and the same Christ, one and the same Christ, not two persons, one and the same Christ, son, Lord, only begotten, recognized in two natures, human and divine. And the four negatives that they gave us without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. Again, this is, we'll see in the Athanasian Creed, more about the Trinity, but again, it's difficult for us to explain how Jesus was both God and man living in one person and how his natures interact. It's difficult for us to explain positively, but we can say what it is not. There is no separation. There is no confusion as in mixture. There is no change. The divinity doesn't change. God doesn't change. And there is no division, right? So these are the four things that they said. We can say that these are not, but how to explain what it really is, that's mystery. And it's the same thing about the Trinity also. We can say that God is one being in three persons. He is not like the three-leaf clover, three, three leaf clover. He is not like water, ice, and vapor, because all of that gets us into heresy. So we can say what the Trinity is not, but what the Trinity is, all we can say is one God, three persons. And it's the same thing even in this creed, where they're saying that the two natures, there is no confusion as in mixture, there is no mixture, which is addressing Eutychianism. There is no change, there is no division, and there is no separation, which is addressing Nestorianism. but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person, not two, pe- two persons, one person, and subsistence. subsistence. Subsistence is just existence. Not as parted or separated into two persons, but one and the same and only begotten God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, even as the prophets from earliest times spoke of him and our Lord Jesus Christ himself taught us. And the Creed of the Fathers has handed down to us. So the the Chalcedonian Creed addressed the three different heresies about Jesus's two natures that came about after the Council of Nicaea. And again, if you want to remember the Chalcedonian Creed, you have to remember those four adjectives, adverbs, whatever they are. Um, No separation, no change, no confusion, no division among the natures of Jesus, the two natures. Any questions? Yes, Derek. Oh, you're talking about uh, may the same thing be said about the body of Christ as in the church. Yes, there is no separation. I don't think there were were the separations as we have today with denominations when the apostles were writing down, and that's why they use the word Catholic, which means universal, Catholic Church, universal Church, everybody who holds to this faith, and you'll see that a little more in the Athanasian Creed. Any other questions, comments? Again, we will go into Athanasian Creed next, but I want us to know how, I mean, realize how these creeds, they just didn't come out of nowhere, right? They came about for a purpose. And the purpose was to, first of all, give us what we need to believe. And the second is to give us guardrails as to where we cannot go, how far we can go. If you start going into like Nestorius to say, oh, there are two natures which mean there are two persons and you start dividing Jesus, no, you cannot go there. That would be heresy because that's not what's taught in the Bible, right? But how do you make sense of it? There is mystery and that's why God is God and we are not. So we just have to hold on to what is taught and what we know and not go to where we are not supposed to go. Again, you can see all the different phrases, true God from true God, truly human, uh, two natures, one person, and all those things have been put in there to address all of these things that came about. All right, finally, we'll look at the Athanasian Creed. I did not put it on, I did not put it on the slides because it's just too long, but it should be in your handout. And the first part of the Athanasian Creed addresses God as a trinity, And let's read that. And the first sentence says, Whoever wants to be saved should above all cling to the Catholic faith. This is the universal faith. Whoever does not guard it whole and inviolable, which is undefiled, that is, if they defile it, will doubtlessly perish eternally. Okay? Very strong statement. Now, this is the Catholic faith. We worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the divine being. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, the Spirit is still another. Again, as you read this, you can see how much they're saying, but how much they're not saying also, because there are so many things which we cannot say. How are they How is one God, three persons, how does that make sense? We don't know, but at least we can clearly state what is taught in the Bible. There is one God from the beginning, there is one God, but then you have the Father being addressed as Yahweh, you have the Son, Jesus, being addressed as Yahweh, and the Spirit being addressed as Yahweh. So you have one God, Yahweh, and you have three persons, all three of them being addressed as Yahweh. So... With that information from the Bible, that is what is being put down in great detail as we will continue to read about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Spirit is still another. But the deity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. That is, there is only one God. Equal in glory, co-eternal in majesty, What the Father is, the Son is, and so is the Holy Spirit. Uncreated is the Father, uncreated is the Son, uncreated is the Spirit. The Father is infinite, the Son is infinite, the Holy Spirit is infinite. Eternal is the Father, eternal is the Son, eternal is the Spirit. And yet there are not three eternal beings, but one who is eternal. As there are not three uncreated and unlimited beings, but one who is uncreated and unlimited. Almighty is the Father, Almighty is the Son, Almighty is the Spirit, and yet there are not three almighty beings, but one who is almighty. Thus the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there are not three gods, but one God. Thus the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, and yet there are not, not three lords, but one Lord. Okay. Second part. Um, as Christian truth compels us to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord. Okay, each distinct person, what heresy is that? If you deny the distinction between the persons of the Trinity, what heresy is that? Who said that? Modalism, yes, Bob. Modalism. Modalism believes that there is only one God and one person, and he appears in different modes, just like you may be a father, a brother, a son, in the same way God is appearing in different modes. In one relationship, he's the father. In another relationship, he's the son. And in another place, he's the spirit. So the Father was there in all of the Old Testament, and during the time of Jesus, the Father became Jesus and appeared to people as Jesus, and then now the same person is in the form of the Holy Spirit. So it's one person appearing in three different modes or three different characters, if you want to say. And that is the heresy of modalism, and that is still believed in a lot of denominations today. Okay, We spoke about that in... Uh, our class three okay as christian truth compels us to acknowledge each distinct person as god god and lord so catholic religion forbids us to say that there are three gods or lords the father was neither made nor created nor begotten Uh, this is important the father was not neither made nor created nor begotten the son was neither made nor created but uh, was alone begotten of the father Okay, we see that in the Bible, Roman, uh, John 3:16, uh, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Okay, but that doesn't mean that He was made. Okay, got to rush here. The Spirit was neither made uh, nor created, but is proceeding from the Father and the Son. this is going back to the second or the last part of the Council of Ni- Sorry, the Nicene Creed. He's proceeding from the Father and the Son. Thus there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three spirits, and in this Trinity no one is before or after, greater or lesser than the other, but all three persons are in themselves, co-eternal and co-equal, and so we must worship the Trinity in unity and the one God in three persons. Whoever wants to be saved should think thus about the Trinity." Again, we're running out of time, but read through this again and see how much they're trying to explain and where they're drawing the lines that you cannot think of them as three different gods or three different lords or three different beings in themselves. It's one God, one Lord, but three different persons. Okay, so last part. It is necessary for eternal salvation that one also faithfully believed, and this is the part of the gospel. Uh, Believe that Jesus, our, our Lord Jesus Christ became flesh For this is the true faith that we believe and confess, that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and man. He is God, begotten before all worlds from the being of the Father, and he is man, born in a human body. Again, addressing the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. Um, Equal to the Father in divinity, subordinate to the Father in humanity— Although he is God and man, he is not divided, but is one Christ. He is united because God has taken humanity in himself. He does not transform deity into humanity. And again, you can see all the different heresies that they're addressing about the nature of Jesus, right? Humanity, divinity, how how does those two dwell in Jesus? He is united. uh, Yes, we saw that. For as the rational soul and body are one person, so the one Christ is God and man. He suffered death for our salvation. He descended into hell and rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, all people shall rise bodily to give an account of their own deeds. Those who have done good will enter into eternal life. Those who have done evil will enter eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. One cannot be saved without believing this firmly and faithfully. Okay, again, we're running out of time, so please read through these and um, and know the creeds. So in conclusion, I want to just um, point out a couple of tweets that I saw recently as I was looking at this uh, class, right? T.S. Sinclair, I don't know who he is, but he said, saints from the past keep Christians in the present from becoming spiritual shipwrecks in the future. Saints from the past keeps Christians in the present becoming spiritual shipwrecks in the future. So we have the creeds. Uh, We should learn the creeds. This is what saints from the past have given us. We should know the boundaries, again, defined by the creeds. And there is plenty to learn from the creeds themselves. As you can see, Athanasius Creed talks so much and there's so much to learn. And finally, one last tweet from J.C. Ryle. Ignorance of the Bible is the root of all error. Knowledge of the Bible is the best antidote against modern heresies. Okay, know your Bible. Um, When you read your Bible, same thing. Know what the giants before us have said. Read Bible commentaries and know how they have interpreted it what happens today is people pick up the Bible and they come up with new interpretations and start going into new heresies and go off off the path and create their own thing. So again, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Let's make sure that we are building on what they built and not going our own way because we will definitely move into heresy if we did that. Okay, I'm gonna close. Um, if you have any questions, we can talk afterwards, but we have less than five minutes to go for service, so let's close. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for for helping us with the creeds. And Lord, we thank you for all the work that your saints have done in the past and have helped us so that we don't become shipwrecks in the future and in our lives today. We thank you, Lord, for how you have preserved your church. You said that you will build your church. And Lord, we can see that you have built it. And Lord, we pray that as your body, we will not be divided and we will hold fast to what your apostles, you have taught us through your apostles. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.